production of the Toll Network. This is Laser Knees number 104, Time, Trials, and Toa 2. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sono, and this is Dino Knight Sentai Ryu Soldier, episode 35, Earth's Greatest Decisive Battle, which it's really not. We still have quite a bit of show left. Yeah, it's, it's episode 35. Come on. Dial it back, yeah. But I feel like we get one of these every year, where True. it's like two-thirds of the way through the show, they're like, this is the biggest battle ever, and no, no, well, I mean, give it another ten episodes. How else are they gonna gonna one-up the great, the biggest thing ever, right? Yeah. You have to do the biggest thing ever, so you can improve on the biggest thing ever. Uh, and also episode 36, The High-Speed Bodyguard. Our writer for 35 is Naruhisa Arakawa, uh, which feels appropriate for mm. this episode where everyone's going through trials and stuff. That seems like his jam. Absolutely. Uh, and episode 36 is written by Shida Ayumi. Our director for 35 is Kato Hiroyuki, and for 36 is Kashiwagi Hiroki. And, yeah, they wrote and directed the heck out of these episodes. I, I had, like, got some problems, of course, but I had a lot of fun with them. Yeah, overall these were really good episodes. Uh, I feel like most of my problems are super nitpicky. Well, since we brought those up, let's just jump into them, get that stuff sorted out, so that we can just explode about the stuff that was good. Okay, so Melt's trial felt a little mean. Like, I guess I get it, because he was never actually in any danger and just needed to look at the big picture instead of the minutiae in order to find a way out. You know, he needed to trust in his abilities instead of worrying over the situation, which I feel like is sort of the trial Melt would have. Mm. But sticking him on a trapeze and being like, hey, don't fall or you die, and leaving him there for two days until he's too tired to be scared anymore just feels a little mean. Yeah, no, that's fair. And honestly, even if we could pretend it wasn't mean, which it is, it's also, like, way harsher than anyone else's trials. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, the dude's a little stiff, but he doesn't need to be short of that much. Come on. Also, why is Kamalo's trial leaning so hard into his horrible, like, he can't focus because a pretty girl exists within a hundred miles thing. Like, I thought we were past this. There were, I like, four we were times this. where I thought we were past this. Like, why aren't we? Like, he's already worried about whether or not Mosa Rex will be willing to join the big robot combo. So why not have be, like, that what's distracting him? Have Mosa Rex, like, arguing with him as he tries to build this house of cards. Y'all were so close. Yeah, but we just needed to laugh at him one more time. Which just, ugh. Like, honestly, at this point, I will say it, it is becoming less that his thing is old. Though, please don't misunderstand. It's real old. <laughs> And more that it's because this is his thing, it seems like no one, not even Naruhisa Arakawa, his own dang self, seems to feel that they can write him with any, like, dignity. Like, okay, he overcomes his one character trait, but it just really comes down to this dude should have had more than one well before now. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, have someone litter. Have someone walk by and, like, throw a piece of trash on the ground. Yeah. He has other character traits, and they just refuse to do them. Heck, Honestly, he, you could even bring this back in with the trial. If you can get a Akiko back, maybe they couldn't. That's why they, it went like this. But get Akiko back, and she's just like, yeah, you broke my heart, you jerk. Like, And he has to try and complete some task, or just, or just talk to her like a human. And like, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to break your heart. And like, take some, I don't know, take some responsibility for it. And his problem is, 
hey, you're too busy, you're too focused on this little thing when you need to focus on the big picture, and because I think that would have been a very good place to for him to talk about that. Hey, yeah. he's got this mission, but he's also got his calling, and like we could talk about that, but you know, that's whatever. I'm also mildly offended by Prisha saying that Ko is the strongest when Asuna's, like, right there. Like, sure, Ko's got the most powerful attack, but just in pure physical strength, that's Asuna's game. Yeah, Pink Strong Precious, it's her thing. It's not her only thing, but, like, in combat, that's her thing. It was there in the first episode. Let her have it. This is, this is like the Flash. This is why... Even if Superman can beat the Flash in a race, which I don't think I don't think he can, but that's you know that's depending on who's writing it. Superman should always let the Flash win the race. It's his one thing. It's all he's got. Let him have it. So my one real only problem with these episodes, like real structural problem, is that as much as I love the fact that Moserex needs to, like, combine into Spino Thunder to get to the battle because he's got no legs, and I'm so glad cute. to see that Moserex decides, like, after all the good he's seen the Ryu soldiers do, he's like, hey, I'm willing to trust you kids, I think you're trying to do the right thing. I wish maybe they'd split this into two episodes, and that we had to take the time to actually convince Moserex to come back and do the robot and be in the combination that he's so traumatized by, and have Kanalo actually need to prove to him that he's strong enough to keep Moserex from hurting anyone. Or at least, like, you know, he talks- Kanalo talks to Dime Volcano about this. Ha like, at least let us see Dime Volcano trying to convince Moserex. Yeah. Because it's such an interesting conflict that we bring up and then immediately put to bed without actually doing anything about it. Yeah, I'm glad I wasn't alone in that, because, I mean, this he's getting over the BS that he's had from the first time we met him. And getting over your BS, that's a big thing. That's a real thing. And something that's worth some, you know, examination, some narrative real estate. Because, like, I again, it's it's got to be... A timing thing, because honestly, that's the sort of thing Arakawa would be really good at, dang it. But we're in episode 35, we don't have a whole episode to talk about this thing, even though I want, I would watch it, I think it would be very interesting. But I'm just saying, give Narhis Arakawa a chance and he'll find the cool guy core in anyone. I don't again, Lupot, I did not like Keiichiro. And then that episode happens like, okay, I'm, I'm sold. Actually, no, that's that's not exactly true, because I did like him when he tried to save that, that crappy kid's uh, field trip. Yeah, it's, I really liked Kitro, and then they kind of, like, got real muddy with him in the middle, and then... Yeah. Then fixed And then Naruki Sarakawa happened, and I was just like, hooray. Um, so, as much as I'm generally annoyed by Kanalo getting distracted by every woman he sees, because, again, literally the point of his trial was to result in the exact opposite of that, but I've got to agree with him that I, too, would be pretty dang impressed and attracted by a lady who seems to plan to eat two full ice cream cones in December. Yeah, I I confess, I spent most of the time just, like, as after I was like, hey, that lady really likes ice cream, right on, but also, what kind of ice cream does she got? Like, this is the dumbest thing to be curious about, but the one that wasn't vanilla just looked really tasty, 
even as like I'm not even a huge soft serve guy. I just that looked really tasty. Um, it was green, so I assume it was matcha. Okay, it was green. Good. Um, and that was also kind of I was going like, okay, do they make green tea ice cream? But matcha, that could be it. Yeah. It, well, that is that's green tea. That's true. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, but that's on... just what they would use because that's it's a powder form, so it's easy to like mix into things. I make cookies yeah. with it. They are delicious. <gasps> that sounds delicious. Oh my goodness. They are infamous amongst all, people all I can who say know me. Darn, I'm I'm I confess, Sono. I am utterly jealous right now. I can give you my They're recipe. Sound... I I'll t- I will I will take you up on that sometime. They are not difficult. It's it's basically just a chocolate chip cookie recipe with a tablespoon of of matcha. Sounds really good. It's very very good. Also, I just mostly it's just the knowledge that there are soft serve matcha ice cream machines out there, and none of them are in my home. Yeah, that is upsetting. Cause man, I would love like a soft serve swirl machine and do matcha yeah. and chocolate. Yeah, I Heck, really I just matcha mean... and chocolate are a really good combination. Um, if you can't tell by how much I love these dang cookies. Yeah, but yeah, I just I just applaud her choice of of frozen treats in the middle of winter. Yeah, but um. To the actual negative part of this, I am annoyed that Conalo jumped right to Toa's got a girlfriend, and the rest of the team just kind of bought into it when he comes back and tells them that, to the point where, like, Melt is offended Toa blew off his duty as a knight to go on a date, when Toa just hangs out with girls. Like, literally the first person we saw him talk to outside of the team was the girl with the puppies. He just hangs out with girls. It's true. And I mean, at least it's not the whole conceit of the episode, but it felt like a weird conclusion for anyone who isn't Conalo to jump to. Like, I can see Conalo jumping to that because that's the only thing he seems to ever think about. But, like, why didn't he go back and, like, Ko at least is like, no, I think something else is going on here because Toa just wouldn't blow off the Dredon fighting. But I feel like everyone else should have probably also been on that page. Yeah, no, they they do know him that well. Also, okay, since we're in the nitpick part of things, I, I know we're supposed to be being negative, but I do want to throw out that I, I dig on them having that as a thing Toa does. Because I know, at least in the States, when I was growing up, which, boy, at this point, that's a... Uh, Whew, that's almost 20 years ago. Oh, boy, that's, uh... Anyway. It's a hot minute ago for both of us. Yeah. But, like, there can be a whole thing about dudes who hang out with ladies a lot, because, like, hey, we just want to be friends. Like, I just... I'm friends with ladies, and that's just a thing that happens. And that can be kind of a thing, especially when you are young. Or at least there was when I was growing up, and I've not seen a lot of evidence that masculinity in the States has calmed down about stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, whatever, your mileage may vary. But I just think that's, I just think it's neat that, hey, Toa hangs out with gals. Yeah, no, that's cool. he, just, he just gets along with ladies, and that's who he's good at hanging out with. That's who he connects with. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Exactly. Way to, like, not bow to the dumbest, weirdest pressures. Again, I don't know if they're if they exist in Japan, but boy, I've got the impression that they might do. I feel like there's there's definitely an extent. And I mean, Toa's like a teenager equivalent, so I think it's maybe a little lesser. 
But also, like, both he and Bamba come from this very hyper-masculine background where it's, it's nice to see that he's balanced that by just he spends his free time hanging out with ladies. Yeah. Uh, but I am also a little bugged by this lady just taking Toa's Ryusoul and basically holding hostage, holding him hostage to protect her from question mark. <laughs> yeah. Like, we find out she's this race car driver and her management wants her on this international tour that she doesn't want to go on because she doesn't feel like she's been very good. But we never actually see them try to come for her. She has, like, the flashback where they confront her about it, but they're not, like, out there looking for her, like, in that episode of Agito where the kid is, like, running from his parents' funeral and his, like, uncles are chasing him. Like, we see that they called her phone, like, 30-something times, but she, like, clearly has her phone on silent, so they're easy to ignore. So, like, is it them? And, like, we know Crayon made the Minosaur from her, but they also don't go after her until we're, like, most of the way through the episode. And she doesn't even bring up the, you know, this weird mushroom person made a monster from her. And Crayon's taunting isn't even what, like, gets the Minosaur to be huge. It's that Crayon took the, the Ryu soul when she feels guilty that she didn't give it back to Toa when she had a chance. So, like, it doesn't seem to be that. So who exactly no. is she trying to get Toa to protect her from? It's a very good question. Like, I get that anxiety and depression can make good people do less than good things. That's Hashtag mood. hot mood. I'm just not really sure what she was aiming for, especially if she'd just been like, hey, kid, can you, like, help me? There's some dudes after me. Toa probably would have been willing to hang out and make sure she's okay. You know, which also would have made Ko's statement about Toa seeming nicer than when they met, and then Toa retorting that he was always nice, make a little more sense. Because, like, you know, he's yeah. hanging out with this girl to protect her, but when we first met him, he was trying to get puppies adopted. Yeah, he is always nice. So it's just, like, that statement felt weird, and, like, just who... Who does she need a bodyguard for? Yeah, it just, it really did feel like such a big old plot contrivance that just never quite settled into anything. Like, I I was sort of feeling like it was going to turn out she just wanted someone she could respect, tell her that things were going to be okay, but they never just let that happen. And it was just so muddled. Even Even though I do appreciate the acknowledgement that sometimes... Just the thought of nothing I do is good enough will just wreck you. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, even if she just wanted someone to hang out with, which I kind of feel like all she wanted was someone to hang out with. Yeah. If she'd just been like, hey, can you, like, hear me out on a thing because I need a totally neutral party to tell me, like, if I'm being the jerk here? I feel like Toa would have sat down and been like, yeah, sure, we can hang out. Um, if my friends call, I gotta go fight a monster, but otherwise, I'm free for the day. Yeah. Honestly, that would've been pretty great. I actually would've preferred that ex instead of, like, the weird, false, not-quite-there drama. Yeah. Because, boy, that drama just did not, did not hit. <laughs> it was, it was very strange, because I do not know what she needed a bodyguard to protect her from. I mean, honestly, if her manager would've, like, 
showed up. Yeah. And Toa wrecked him. Cool. Yeah, like, if someone, like, showed up and was being threatening, like, again, that episode of Agito, which was Kobayashi's first tokusatsu, where, like, the kid, this kid is running away and runs into gills and is like, hey, some dudes are after me, just get me really far away. And it turns out that, like, those dudes are his uncles trying to bring him to his parents' funeral and he just doesn't want to deal with it. Like, if it was something like that, where, you know, we just keep seeing these big dudes coming after her, and then we find out that it's, like, her management that want her on this tour because they think she's so great, and she's really popular, and it's just that she doesn't have the confidence to do it, like, that would be one thing. But I don't know what they wanted. I don't know what anyone was going for in this. Yeah, me either. And I think they, I get the impression they didn't either, which mm, kind of explains a lot of it. Because boy, it just really does feel like that one episode of Agito, but not as good. Um, I'm also, I've got mixed feelings on King Dino Knight Rex. Because um, as much as I'm here for not jamming like 15 robots into one big mess for the first time in a good handful of years... I'm kind of bummed that it's just a three-person robot. Like, I'm down with the thematic land-sea-and-air combo, and that you can do some really interesting things with settings for the fights with that. But, like, you can still make it a six-person cockpit, even if it's three robots. Like, yeah. it's your show, Toei. You make the rules. You could put all six of them in there if you really wanted to. Like, just yeah, stick would... two of them to a cockpit. Stick two of them to a robot. Or just, hey, I'm mad, like... This is the magic that happens when all souls are one. Yeah, you can and do one big cockpit with six people. But I mean, like, if you want to still be like, oh, well, it's it's three of them, so we've got three cockpits, just, like, stick Ko and Kanalo in one, Melt and Asuna in another, and Toe and Bamba in the third one. It's fine. I don't care how you do it. Just let everyone participate in the robot fight. I mean, like, I imagine they're probably going to save the let everyone participate bit for the even more ultimate form that is just all 15 of them just slammed together. <laughs> but all the same, it just, it sucks having a red and gold and maybe one other person robot. There's already enough upgrades that feel like red and gold exclusive. We don't have to give them the robots too. There's a whole team. That's what Sentai's about. It's, it's like uh, Lucky's finish, uh, final upgrade back in Q-Ranger, where, like, hey, it is neat, and I appreciate that his finisher is all about the power of everyone in the universe, so it's all of the different constellations attacking the bad guy, and that's cool. But then you pointed out, quite rightly, that it's not as interesting if none of those people actually get to show up and be on screen doing things. Yeah, like, I love Lucky's weird unlimited Blade Works finisher, but it would be way cooler if he, like, shot the weapons to everyone that were yeah. already, like, powered up to do a strike. That would have been really sick, actually. He's, he's like, his superpower is the, the Hisatsu layup. Yeah. Like, it's, it's already set up with, like, a more powerful attack than the normal finisher. Yeah, like, just a just, super just needs... version of the normal finisher, and he just, like, sends it to them. Yeah. Like, and it's the same thing here. Because, like... Okay, yes, the souls of everyone are present because, you know, they're there. That's just, that's what the show is. But also, I do want to see everyone just throw right the F down. Yeah. 
I want to see Asuna, like, get powered up and just put her fist through a giant monster. Is that asking so much? God, it's just the little things, you know? Yeah. Speaking of little good things, uh, let's just get into the stuff we like this in these episodes, because, look, we had some nitpicks. Uh, hey, guess what, Ryu Soldier? Still pretty good. Heck yeah. Um, so I like the setup of, well, if they're using the same move, the stronger person wins. Because it's a little simple, and it's a pretty common action story trope, especially in, like, kids' action stuff. But Ryu Soldier does a really good thing with it. Like, it's a good lead-in to everyone else deciding to go off to the trial cliffs, and the trial that Ko's got to face, and the payoff is just a little more nuanced than Ko becoming stronger than Precious. And, like, it's a trope that I already like on its own. And then they just kind of turn it to a 45-degree angle to get something a little bit new out of it, which is also a thing that I love. Yeah, and much love and respect to Narisa Arakawa. It's hard to do that with a story that is this well-worn. So, on top of everything else, it's it's nice to see he can bring that bit of freshness. Because he's just... Look, he made Kuga. <laughs> so, the dude doesn't actually have to ever do anything good ever again. Well, rather, he did Kuga, and he was the head writer on Gokaiger. The, the man basically has a pass, as far as Tokusatsu goes. Dude's got a pretty solid resume, and he'd have to work hard to mess it up. Yeah, but it's it's nice that he still brings something when he shows up on a show. Again, again, he made Keichiro my favorite character on Lupat. I didn't think that was possible. Uh, he he brings the little twist on on a well worn thing in this one. He just he's a very good writer, and even though they can't all be winners, boy, that dude has done some good work yeah. and continues to do good work. I love Ui and her dad putting on a dinosaur puppet show to cheer everyone up. And also Seto is very rude for interrupting it. Yeah, he really is. Doesn't he have, like, some youths to be menacing or, or something? I realize he's kind of an ancient spirit, so he can probably be multiple places at once, but still. Let them do a puppet can. show. Like, I, I know he kind of is in the trial cliffs, but that's different. Yeah, it's like, true. Like, I don't think he can normally, because he's gotta be in Ui's dad's body. Well, then he can just wait until after the puppets are over, dang it. Yeah, but, like, I'm not sure if Tiramigo would love this puppet show or be mildly offended because that's not what a T-Rex looks like. Mm. But I do hope he gets to, like, sit down and watch this puppet show and be taught some valuable preschool TV life lessons. I personally have no doubt he will be charmed by it. If for no other reason than, hey, this lady I live with and her dad... They went, uh, they went all out to give me a puppet show, and that's not nothing. Because my son can be rude, but he's rarely, he's mostly rude just to melt. Yeah, no, he, and generally, you know, if people show him kindness, he does the same. Unless it's melt. Yeah. Man, remember that time where we just found out he just, he's known around town, and he played baseball with the kids? I love it. He's I love such a good boy. Um, so this is a small moment, but when Toa, like, passes out and drops to the ground and then immediately rolls and comes back up to finish his fight, that was yeah. some really cool movement, and I gotta give props to the kid who plays him for making that feel so fluid. Like, Seto compliments Toa, like, immediately after on, like, efficient movement, 
And I feel like Yuido deserves that compliment just as much. Oh, absolutely. Because I realize that a big part of the job is making that stuff look easy, but dang if he didn't sell it. <laughs> also, I just, I really appreciate it. They're just, they're throwing all of these, these, uh, the mooks at him in, in the next episode. And I'm just like, ah, oh, you guys don't even know. Fools. <laughs> you, you don't even know. He, he can eat a thousand of you for breakfast now. Okay, so you know what? If I was Moserex and I shot a mouth laser that destroyed half a continent, I'd also probably want to go hide in the ocean and never do that again. I'd also be pretty ticked at the dudes who made me do that. So after this, I'm feeling pretty dang sympathetic to Moserex's whole, like, to heck with those land guys thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know what? You know what? Fair, Fair enough. Because, like, even if there wasn't the whole bit about this being a part of why he doesn't like the Land Rio Soul tribe, even if we just took that whole thing out, the whole, oh, I became part of a weapon that annihilated half a continent, that's reason enough. Yeah, it's like, mm, okay, bye. Yeah. Oh, hey, you guys want to combine and do the ultimate power? Hmm, cool idea. No. Like, mm, bye, Karen. Yeah. Because, like, look... There might be a good reason to combine and form the ultimate weapon, whatever, but if you ever become casual with it at all, you know, like they do in the next episode where they're just doing it, uh, you're really increasing the chance that a lot of people are going to get got like Masters Blue and Pink did. Yeah. And, like, look, I, I hate to get super morbid, but... In the list of ways to go, being vaporized by just an attack so powerful it just carves through a continent, it's not the worst way to go, because it's, it's over real quick. But also, mm, don't want that to happen. No, but I do love that Kanalo, like gets to have a second character trait for a hot second and just wants to like be strong enough to, to hold, hold back that power so his dad god doesn't need to be afraid anymore. Like, that's yeah. sweet. That is sweet, and that's the dude we've needed this whole time, and will miss for, I suspect, the rest of the series. Because, look, I hope I'm wrong, because Conalo has needed a second thing basically since he showed up, but boy, I bet it's going to be hard to balance this this kind of abstract thing of, I, I have to become a stronger person so my goddad won't be scared of using the ultimate weapon, um, compared to girl pretty because it's a lot easier to just do oh hey girl pretty and like boom it's done he had his thing and we don't have to look at him anymore this episode but yeah i just i really hope though that we could just turn around and just do anything with him yeah it i have to say look if if i'm going to hate any member of a team i'm glad it's the extra guy and not the main characters like i i don't enjoy bagging on Conalo, but if I gotta bag on someone, okay, it's the sixth. Cool. <laughs> Even though the whole time just like, it should have been you that got God and Nada should be here. My boy. Which is My really baby. unkind. But My also, baby. um, Nada had a really great arc. I, I miss him. No, I don't blame you. Uh, he was great. I'm still grieving. And, and then they, like, they seriously like like we said last time they made us think everything was going to be cool i even said oh wow i thought things weren't going to be cool 
They lied. And then the next episode, it's just, oh yeah, nothing's cool. They lied to me. How dare. Which is illegal. That is against the law. Yeah, made me have feelings with my heart. That's that's not allowed. That's a capital offense. So, uh, y'all, mm. I lost my dang mind when we cut to Toa and Bamba on the mountain, and Bamba got to keep the eggs. Like, having the two of them just sitting there, like, hard-boiling and eating the eggs for lunch was hilarious, and I've been laughing about it for the week and a half between when I first watched that episode and right now. It has no, not no. gotten less funny. No, I mean, it's it's not less funny. It's very good. It's a very good bit of comedy. Like, I expected it to be more than six eggs when we cut back to him. Uh, but he is very efficient, and he does learn fast. So after, you know, the first three or four, I could see him kind of really getting in the rhythm, and then the other two were just, you know, kind of mistakes. So I don't know, maybe for- he was only up there for, like, you know, maybe ten to twelve hours. So, you know, I guess six is a decent amount of time for that. Yeah, but I, I will confess I was also expecting a few more than six. I'm not surprised that it's only six, because- you know, he's very clever and handsome, but also, like, dang, his trial was heavy. Yeah. Not as heavy as Melt's, but that's a tough one. Having to do, like, the, the egg baby while doing a fight. Yeah. But just, just, we see, see the two of them sitting there eating the eggs, and I'm like, oh my god, they let him keep the eggs. Hey, man, he, he came through strong in that trial. He, he has earned those eggs, and frankly, his little brother probably needs the the nutrients yeah he really does but i was actually really surprised by how effective ko's trial or the initial lack of a trial that he had was um like having him show up to nothing and like begging for them to literally test him on anything and having the response to that be like look buddy if you can't figure out what you need to work on that's a you problem and then just, you know, highlighting that Ko, who started this series with limits are made to be broken, having been so shaken by losing Nada, and having that coupled with immediately having the power that Nada left to him, nullified by Precious, that he's kind of forgotten the core teaching of his master and has to rediscover that and what it means to him, was really well done. Yeah, no, it was. And it, it really does highlight how much this dude has been through. <laughs> and how you could kind of be forgiven for losing sight of that. But also, I just have to say, having his trial start in that void... I mean, okay, it wasn't mean in the way that Meltz was, but that was ice cold, man. Yeah, no, it just, like, Seto's there and is like, Look, buddy, if you can't figure out what you need to be tested on, that's on you. Yeah. Just... And he was in there for, like, two days. Yeah. He was in the void for two days before he even got to Master Red. Yeah, that's... Like, he wasn't messed up enough already, right? I mean, it sure drives home all the stuff he's kind of going through, but still. And speaking of, like, it also gets Ko to finally get that final closure with Master Red that Melt got kind of early on and Asuna got maybe three or four weeks back. And that was nice to see. It was nice to see that moment where they're both like, hey, limits are made to be broken. And he's like, right, that's what you taught me. That's what I'm carrying. 
Like, that was sweet. It was. It was. And, look, I'm not going to lie, having Master Red swipe his strongest thing and use it against him as a way to train him up and for him to get that closure, man, that felt really good. And that's kind of what you'd have to do, too, because that's Ko just trying to fight his way through loss, and I really like it. Because, hey, I have to I have to come to terms with Nada by fighting Nada, but Nada's not here, and that's why I need to fight him, etc. Like, just that, that weird grief loop. And I, I really like it, and I like that Master Red was kind of there to be like, hey man, I will help you through this. It just really does make me wish, though, that there could have been a, a bit more, like, explicitly stated, man, I just miss Nada in that fight. Just, just, or some, some sort of callback to Nada, because it was only a couple episodes ago, and I too miss that guy. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there, but he was good, and he just died, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I really wish that there had been any amount of long-term grieving for Nada. Like, we got the immediate pain and grief in the aftermath, but then by the next episode, it seems like everyone just forgot the guy. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, Ko's really upset over it, and then he's immediately like, no, I'm not upset, I'm just trying to figure out how to use this new weapon. And then we just never discuss Nada again, and I'm like, y'all... You welcomed this dude into your team. You made this guy a knight for you all the things you he went through. That one time. Like, y'all literally combined your souls with him. You felt his soul. Cry over him a little bit. Yeah. Miss him. Yeah. I just, like, I get why they aren't doing that, because they. Again, they don't have a ton of time here in the home stretch, but he was one of our heroes, and he died. And I just, I really wanted a moment where Ko would just say out loud, oh, no, I really am depressed about it. Followed, you know, and then they could follow it up with, but I'm going to use that pain to ensure that no one else has to lose a friend like that, or, or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep his spirit alive by stopping the people who killed him or something. Like, I know we're in the home stretch, but also... We're only at episode 35, where we haven't kind of hit, we haven't even really hit the run-up to the final battle yet. I feel like we could have taken an episode to be about, like, learning to use the Max Claw through grieving for Nada. Yeah, just, there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of stuff they left on the floor there. <laughs> and it is frustrating, because I feel like that would have had to have been a producer thing, because... I just, I don't feel like Naruhisa Arakawa would leave that on the table. Yeah. I mean, okay, this is this is pure conjecture and kind of just mythologizing the guy, but I really like a lot of the work he's done, so what do you want from me? I mean, just looking at his track record, it's not the kind of thing he leaves on the table. Yeah. Dude has a lot of work to examine to look at those patterns. Yeah. I just, again... I, I always come back to Kuga because that's my favorite one of, that's my favorite thing. But there was early on in Kuga, there's the bit where he's been called out by Ichijo. Hey, you're just a dilettante. Stay out of the way. Let the police handle this. This is our job. And he realizes, oh yeah, I, I don't know if I'm appreciating this properly. Then he goes to a funeral of someone who was murdered to death by the Grongi, and he discovers the fire. <laughs> And that's when you get the first proper Kuga transformation. Yeah, I mean, even, like, within Sentai, 
even within a Sentai that's not his, like, he wrote good handfuls of Bokenger where I feel like he wrote, he wrote the Cinderella episode. Mm-hmm. There ain't no, and that's like a weird, goofy episode. And still ain't nothing get left on the table in the Cinderella episode of Bokenger. Yeah. Just like every everyone I know who has watched Bokenger is like, this is the best episode of this show. Mm. This weird, goofy episode about Cinderella's stepsister kidnapping ladies so she can hang out with the prince. <laughs> no, yeah, just bah. I'm pretty sure that one was Arakalis. I I couldn't tell you, but it just it sucks that they left that on the table. Yeah. I especially because like I I hate to keep banging on about it, but it's just like y'all did a really good job bringing me around on Nada. Yeah. You can't was... get mad at me for you can't get mad at me for being affected by you doing a good job. Like I was I was kind of, I enjoyed Nada as a villain, but like I wasn't super into him. Like as a cat, I'm like, man, this dude is bad. He's he's hurting my children, and now like I'm still real messed up over him. Yeah, no, because they they did a good job, especially since honestly, like once you saw him just being him, he seemed like a really good dude. Yeah, he I was, was looking forward to getting to know him. He was just a sweet dude that wanted to do something good. Yeah, we better move on, because otherwise we're just going to start looping I'm around. Gonna, but... I'm just going to cry over Nada on the air yeah. again. Okay, so I love that Weisel is this weird masochist. Like, oh, Precious literally stole my heart, and the fact that she might step on it is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Hey, Weisel, never be ashamed of knowing what you're about, buddy. Also, I love the follow-up in 36, where he's like, this was fun for a hot minute, but now she's like, she's not gonna step on my heart, and without my physical heart, my, like, I can't, like, get an adrenaline rush. Like, my blood can't get pumping if there's nothing to pump my blood. That was hysterical. Like, Weisel is kind of a butt, but he's just so dang fun about it. Hey, I think he's just living by that, by the mantra of do it with style or just don't bother. Look, and I appreciate that's a way to live. Yeah. Look, I, I just like how much of an almost literal adrenaline chaser they've made him, because he just he just wants the next big thrill, including, like, you know, sure, murdering the Ryu soldiers, but at this point, like, okay, my life's on the line, I gotta do this. Good stuff. I also deeply sympathize with Asuna having to listen to an insect buzz around her for two days. <sighs> like, I had that happen for, like, ten minutes once, and I wanted to die. Like, there was just a really big, loud fly in my room, and I could hear it any time it moved. <sighs> and yeah. the thought of having to deal with that for two days was, makes me, like, want to rip my hair out. Yeah, no, every every summer we get mosquitoes. Not even bad ones, not, like, terrible ones, they're just, they're mosquitoes. And every now and again, they'll just, like, buzz right by my ear, and it just, it sets my whole everything just on high alert it just it sounds like such a circle also i like to think that she's a little aware of how a tiny insect-sized thing once got its way into her body and tried to like murder her and then her best friend almost murdered her just 
there was a lot of just terrible murder threats going on there. Wasn't that also an Arakawa episode? I believe so. I believe it was. <laughs> I'm betting he just didn't have the time to write in that it's just another version of that little guy. But I, I like to think that this is part of her both getting her speed training and her accuracy training, but also revenge. Because <laughs> that weird little skull monster thing with its tail, boy, that was harrowing. Yeah, it was. Especially when, when Bond brought up oh no, it might have just started growing inside of her. I'm just like, oh no. I, I do appreciate, though, that Ryu Soldier is willing to bring a little body horror in every now and again. I'm just, that's what I'm about. That was, oof. Yeah, no, it was horrifying. <laughs> but again, I just, I'm imagining that's what that little, that little whining bug was, and that's what she squished with the chopsticks. Yeah. I do have to give props to the sound design team because pumping the battle theme up when Ko, like, figures out the weakness to the Max Claw and then he goes in to, like, beat Master Red, the just the timing of the music and how it kind of faded up very slowly was really intense and exciting and it, it just did a lot to make that moment feel as cool as it deserved to feel. Yeah, it really did. Honestly, I don't think we've we give enough love on to the sound or the music people on the reg because honestly, these folks are doing some high quality work real. Like we have to save the franchise level stuff and it's, it's worth, it's worth recognizing. I've been yeah. remiss. Um, I mean, I gotta put it out there that like the, the new, the insert song for the new robot was kind of a bop. Yeah, it was. So I like, really enjoyed it. Good, good stuff all around. Uh, so I brought it up at the at the top of this episode, so I'm going to kind of swing back to close it out. Um, I really love that going head-to-head with Precious wasn't just about Ko's attack becoming physically stronger. Like, the adding the level of nuance of having him notice the cooldown time on the Max Claw and making himself strong enough to defend against the Max Claw when he knows Precious isn't strong enough to defend against it without having the attacks going head-to-head, was just a nice layer to give that conflict. Like, both the setup and the payoff are nothing new. We've seen them both in Ryder and Sentai before. But I don't think we've ever seen them used together this way. And putting them together like that made both of them kind of feel fresh. It, it did. And more than anything, though, for me, I just keep thinking of all the people I've seen who talk about like, okay, in this frame of the animation, if you start your punch, then you'll you'll get in there and be able to do a combo. Or or if you hit it at this moment, this lets you shave X amount of milliseconds off your speed run time. And just I don't oh, know. Yeah. For me you, it just You gotta use the iframes. Yeah, exactly. And I just kept thinking of Naruhisa Arakawa having an appreciation of like Street Fighter or just speed running and Ko developing such a thing. I just I don't actually know enough about to go on about it too long. I just think it's a neat application of a thing I sometimes hear about in other media and blending it in so well with just this little, little sousson of genre savvy just adds so much more to it because yeah, Ko does have to wind up for this attack. And he rarely does it twice in battle. And that means that 
it must be weak at some point. And I just thought that was really clever. Yeah, I mean, like, I know a pretty decent amount about certain speedruns. Mm. I watch a lot of Mario Maker speedrunning and, uh, like, Super Mario World ROM hack speedruns. Nice. And just, you know, using, like, you gotta use, you gotta use your iframes sometimes. Things are <laughs> set up specifically that you need to use the iframes to clear it. And it's it's just real neat. It was a real nice bit of nuance. Yeah. And I just, again, I really enjoyed that it just is Street Fighter. That's great. So one, one last thing in 35 is that I'm so mixed on the bickering at the end. Because not only do I not want to deal with the whole, like, Oto and Melt thing because she's a child. And yeah. I also feel like Melt doesn't want to deal with it. But I also don't want to deal with Kamalo's, frankly, very weird jealousy over his sister's crush on this dude. Yeah. No, that is, it's really weird. And if you got a problem with it, dude, just order something else. Get something with, like, Goldschlager in it. Just, just don't be so weird and try and drink this dude's drink. It's his drink. Yeah, but, like, the thing that I'm, I'm mixed on is that Mel deserves this weird, elaborate, fancy drink. And I want him to have it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, look, big fancy drinks are great. But it just, I wish he could get it without having the, the whole bit with Kanalo and, and Oto and just like... Mm. Yeah, though I do appreciate that, like, as is trying to take it from him, there are two straws in it, so he's still, like, drinking it. <laughs> look, Mel, Mel knows what he's about. He Although, wants, like, wait, realizing there's a second straw. Kanalo, did you take the straw Oto wanted for herself? Because you know what? Actually, in that case, it might be okay. Because I don't... Uh, no, no 1950s sharing a malt for you, Oto. Just, that's not going to happen. It's yeah. fine to have a crush on an older person. It's not fine to, like, pursue it this much. It's, Dial it back, I, girl. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be bothered by, like, her ongoing crush on him. If the show, if, like, the narrative world this is set in didn't keep trying to imply that, like, it's a thing He's... that we're moving toward? Yeah, no, don't like that. Or, like, trying to imply that, like, maybe Mel also likes her because she's child. Yeah. Like, if, if we're going by the, the one year to ten years thing, she is 12 and he is, like, 21. It's, um, No. That's a, that's, that's a big yikes for me, dog. Yeah, so, um, like, if, if it was more clear that Melt just doesn't know how to deal with it, and that he was, like, actively trying to figure out a way to be like, please stop, that would be one thing, but, I don't know, it just, it weirds me bad. out, and yeah. Conalo's jealousy weirds me out. Yeah, I don't, I don't care for it. Kanalo just needs to... He just needs a new personnel, yeah. is the thing. But, uh, anyway, rolling, in, rolling into 36. Yeah. I do love that Melt seems to just oversee the group's training and then pick it apart to figure out, like, what strategies are working best. Because every time we've seen them do, like, group training, he's always, like, standing on some stairs watching. <laughs> Look... Everyone just had their their paths of trials, so yeah, you know, it's, it's time to get real serious about it all and play into our strengths and all that. And he's got insight to lend since he started noticing 
that his sweat didn't fall on the ground and, and he's he's noticing all the little things as well as the big picture. So, you know, he's 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 done his thing. It was also just nice to see him compliment Asuna. And, like, I'm really glad they've kind of walked back the way the two of them were early in the show, where they kind of did that, like, friend insult thing. Except yeah, it was really mean. Yeah, it was. They, they make so much more sense just being cool to each other. It was like, literally them being cool to each other is what got Ko to stop being a jerk. Yeah, that's, that's official. Like, so I'm glad they've really dialed back on that. It's also very cute that Kurion made this really fast, high-energy Minosaur to try and cheer Weisel up. Like, the two of them had such a rough go of it at the start, but I think it's just, you know, Kurion was real attached to Tank Joe, and, you know, while Weisel stepped in right after he died and was like, hey, you work for me now, and she's like, excuse me, let me grieve. Yeah. But they seem to have found, like, a really fun dynamic with each other, and, like, they kind of get each other. Because they're, they're both kind of the same way to a degree, so I'm just, I'm glad they're getting along and that she's like, oh, you want thrills? Here's, here's a really fast dude. Yeah, and especially since they've got two other folks that everyone can hate on in, in Bodie uh, McDeebag and Precious. So it just, it just took a bit of time for Crayon to make sense of the kind of sidekick Wiseul wanted, and as soon as she figured that out, it's like, okay, I can, I can... I can play this part, and we can have fun with it. And I just, it makes me happy. I like when Koreon is having a good time. I also want to put it out there that uh, for for writing notes, I rewatch episodes in double time, just to uh, just to get through uh, it quicker. No, it makes sense. Um, so the Minosaur in a normally timed episode is already fast-forwarded to double speed. So seeing it at, like watching it in double speed so it's like double sped up was absolutely wild yeah that that does sound like a heck of a time so as much as i'm not super big on the overall like conceit of the episode or at least not super big on how this lady is essentially holding toa hostage i do like that she raises the question of like what Toa and the others plan to do once the Juridon are defeated and they don't have a duty anymore, since that kind of is their whole duty. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it lets us have these really revelatory things about their characters and makes us think about these characters not as soldiers, but as people, which, I mean, like, look, that's a thing we were already basically doing, but it's nice to see that the characters themselves are thinking about themselves that way, too. It's, it's, it's yeah. nice. And like for Toa and Bamba especially, who have had really no life outside of being Ryu soldiers, it's a good question to raise. Because I mean like Asuna, Ko, and Melt, like they had their village. They had normal lives there. They participated in festivals. They had friends who were not Ryu soldiers. These two just, this is all they have and all they know. So like having that question posed to Toa, especially who has like never had a separate life. I really enjoy that, and I like that instead of stewing on it, uh, because once again, Toe is just great, he immediately is like, hey, Ko, what are your plans? And, like, Ko has an answer, and, like, Toa seems to take that as, oh, hey, there, there definitely is life after this battle, I just have to figure out what I want that life to be. 
Like, I am going to have a life after my duty, and it can be something fulfilling. And She's just beautiful. Like, yeah, it's, because, like, that's a question that some shows will have you stew on. And, I mean, that's reasonable, because, like, I don't know what I want to have to do with my life. And I'm not, I don't even have a duty. But, like, having it very quickly and clearly put into, you've always got a purpose, even if that purpose changes, is very comforting. Um, it's a very Bokenger way of looking at things, because, uh, I mean, that really is the core of what Bokenger is about. Um, and I just, I appreciate that. That's a sentiment that has really resonated with me in the past, and it's nice seeing it here for my boy, and that he really didn't have to stew on it. He was able to really internalize that quick and not be afraid of the future. Yeah. And honestly, it's just a lot more useful than the you are here to do one thing and one thing only kinds of philosophies. And also a lot more comforting than, oh, don't worry, there's a plan for you. And then just nothing, because that's that's period, end of statement. Mm -hmm. But just the idea that you go forward and figure out your own stuff, and that's a part of what living is, that's that's a good thing to tell people. <laughs> yeah, and like I, I love that he kind of has the whole episode to really think on that, and then kind of brings it back to everyone. It's like, hey, I asked Ko this, what about the rest of you? And he wants everyone's input so he can, you know, kind of figure out what he does want. And also I love that Bomba's just gotta be a huge drama queen about it and be like, well, we need to ensure the future exists before we can worry about what we're gonna do in it. <sighs> That's our big gruff boy. All right, Bomba, you just keep fighting off those existential questions by phrasing your lack of certainty as a statement of noble intent. Just keep at it and no one will notice. Yep, Melt's got your back on that because he clearly is doing the exact same thing. Yep, just y'all, y'all cross that bridge when you come to it. Yeah, I, I really though enjoy just the look of someday this war is gonna end. Oh no, on his face, like he's that dude is very good at just projecting a lot of subtle stuff. Yeah, he is. I also love the bit where Bomba's just stomping around town, like, "Grr, where's my brother? I know he's." He's out on this date. I've got to go find him and see what this is about because I raised this kid better than just running off to ignore his job. Like, I'm almost a little disappointed we didn't see him use the smelling soul to try and sniff him out. That would have been really cute. But I just, I think the reason he didn't, he's just too busy not being mad, just disappointed. Okay, actually, both mad and disappointed at the possibility that Toa would somehow be slacking. I think that, like, he, if he would have had a little while longer to think about it, he would have been like, oh, right, smell soul, but he just didn't get there. Um, I also love the bit where Melt is like, okay, this dude is really fast, but he doesn't hit us that hard. And Koran's just like, oh, he doesn't hit you that hard? Well, now he's fast and he's got a spear. <laughs> so how about that? I mean, look, force is mass times acceleration. And the tip of a spear means you're concentrating all that force in a smaller space. So, I mean, like, look, he is a little bit scarier. Yeah, I mean, like, but, you know, force is mass times acceleration. So he should still be able to hit pretty hard. Yeah. Because he is doing a lot of accelerating. Yeah, yeah, he really is. But just just the cadence of and the timing of the joke was just oh. really good. 
Oh, no, like, it really was. It's like, okay, but he doesn't hit that hard. Well, now he's got a weapon! It was real, yeah. Seriously, all love to the synthesis of Naoko Kamio and Ryoko Shiraishi, who are Crayon's suit and voice actors, respectively, for the powerful, just bringing the, the voice and the suit together to make that moment sing. Now he's got a spear! Yeah! <laughs> like, honestly, the only way it could have been funnier is, well, now he's got a gun! <laughs> that would have actually been amazing. <laughs> uh, okay, you don't think he's that scary? Uh, uh, no, he's got a gun. <laughs> now you can't, like, he's gonna move before you can dodge the gun! Also, he's as fast as the speeding bullet. How do you like that? It's it's just that one, like, group of Hellboy panels where it's like, a chimp? He's got a gun! Exactly. Yes. Oh. But I do, I do love the bit of Toa, like, stepping up after getting the absolute life beaten out of him. Mm. And being like, look, I don't care if anyone appreciates that I'm saving the world on a weekly basis. I've gotta do it or we're all gonna die. Like, it doesn't matter if people appreciate it or not. Kid's got perspective on his situation that, you know, most most grown adults, like, she, you know, she's a grown adult and she clearly doesn't have that perspective. I mean, her situation is not life or death, but... Still. And, like, I gotta admit, as much as I'm not super into her holding Toa hostage for an episode, I do appreciate that she realizes the scope of Toa's duty and how it's so beyond her own and is willing to throw herself over his Ryusoul to protect it. Because we don't often get civilians, especially victim of the weak civilians, that are willing to take a beating from a boss character in order to help the team. Yeah, no, that was real intense. <laughs> like, the only other victim of the weak character fighting a boss character I can think of is, again, Bokendra. And that was really just this cat dunking on Shizuka for, like, a hot minute. Where, you know, like, Shizuka didn't even get a hit in on her. This lady got beat up. Yeah, she really did. It was a bit uncomfortable, I'm not gonna lie. But still, like, Furl, I do share some of your frustration with, with the, the lady's whole, like, thing. And, and, you know, again, appreciating that she, you know, she, she came around in the end. I gotta say... At the very least, I found her anxiety compelling. Like, I personally think she could stand to say she's just going to take a break from all the racing, especially on an international circuit, and maybe they could have taught her about some boundaries. But at the same time, I, I guess Super Sentai generally, and Ryu Soldier particularly, is big on breaking through your self-imposed barriers, so that would be very against the show's, like, whole ethos. But all the same, like, it's an important thing to learn, and I kind of wish they would have taken a bit to talk about that for the kids. I do, like, I wish they'd kind of said directly what exactly um, her not running anymore meant. Mm. But there is a level that I'm also kind of just okay with, I'm just gonna stop running and face my choices. Mm. Um, and then everyone watching can decide if she's gonna go on the tour or tell her managers that she's not. And whether her facing her fears and going on the tour or her standing up for what she thinks is best for herself and telling her managers no is what's more impactful to them. 
So there, there's a degree, a degree to which this time, I think the gray area is okay. I don't always, which no, I'm sure we've all noticed. But in this case, it's since I think both things can be meaningful in their own way, you can kind of decide which one is more meaningful to you and just be like, that's the one she did. Yeah, no, that's fair. Ambiguity is good sometimes, just always, always like ups and downs. That's how we go. So was Kashiwagi Hiroki the one that we said they should replace Sakamoto with? Because I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, because they should. <laughs> Like, Toa's warm-up parkour, and then, like, the fight against the Doritos actually, like, made me think this was a Sakamoto episode, because he's got a lot of the same really dynamic fight camera going, uh, but with none of the sleaze on main. Yeah, which, whew, that's, it's real nice, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I know I've, I've read that some people don't care for, like, the swooping cameras, but I just get so hype every time I see them because I was so afraid we wouldn't be seeing them again after Lupot. Yeah, I mean, there's... If it was every episode, I don't think I would enjoy it. I, it's one of those things where when you do it every, like, three or four episodes, it turns out really cool. Mm. But I think if it was, like, constant, I don't think I'd like it as much. Fair. Uh, but I, I do think it's sweet that, you know, like, she makes this decision and is like, hey... Am I ever going to see you again? And he's like, well, you don't need a bodyguard anymore, but, you know, let next time, let's just hang out like normal people. Like, that was sweet. Yeah. That was he's cute. Toe's a good kid. I feel like he's definitely going into the big hall of Great Green sometime. Because, for all he rarely gets the narrative attention I personally think he's due, he's just, he's just always all over the place being a really cool fella. He's... He is just a good little dude, and I'm real dang proud of him. Yeah. He's definitely gonna be up there on my favorite greens long term. Uh, he's he's gonna be up there with Han and Don because he's just he's he's just a real good little dude. And on that note, um, unless we have any final thoughts, I think that's that's pretty much it for this bit of commentary. Uh, yeah, no, I think just it's still good. Yeah, we're yeah. we're heading into the last fifteen ish. Looking forward to seeing episodes. what Precious's next evil scheme is. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, I feel like we're gonna be taking the next handful of episodes to slowly like whittle our way through the remaining Druidon, and then maybe Koreon is gonna do some final boss business. Oh please, oh please, oh please. Like I feel like Weisel is definitely gonna be the last one to go, and then like once Weisel is gone, she's gonna like go ballistic. I hope so. She she just deserves to just mess everything up for everyone, and then just retreat to that one dude with the the mushroom hairdo, and yeah. they can just make YouTube videos. Yeah, just you know, hang out, make some YouTube videos. But anyway, uh, for Laser Knees and the rest of the Tool Network. I'm Aleph. And I'm Sam. And don't get kicked by a horse and die.